Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. And let's just have a brief word of prayer again as we hold the word in our hands. Father, we just uh, thank you for what we've been singing about tonight. Uh, quicken us according to your power. And Lord, and, and now we pray that you'll quicken us and quicken your word to our hearts by the same Holy Spirit that's uh, been overflowing and overshadowing our hearts tonight. Quicken your word. Make it alive, Lord, to each of our hearts. Uh, without the quickening of the Spirit, everything is lifeless. Uh, it can just be information to the mind, but we want that quickening uh, by the Spirit. Quicken your word. Quicken us according to your word. Make it alive in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Matthew chapter 13, and we're on parable 6 tonight, and we have two simple verses. Verses 45 and 46. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Very simple but very beautiful parable. Now, just by way of introduction here, you'll notice that this parable is only mentioned in the Gospel of uh, Matthew. It's not recorded in any other parable. And also, it's another one of those uninterpreted parables. Jesus did not interpret this parable. And uh, uh, the, the disciples being in a sort of a, a fishing generation as well as uh, being shepherds and uh, being a pastoral uh, nation, the nation of Israel. Also, so many of the disciples being fishermen, uh, probably they had some understanding of, of the matter of pearls and buying goodly pearls and everything like that. So they're the main things we note by way of introduction. It's only in the Gospel of Matthew. It's an uninterpreted parable but we're going to see that it has the same basic principles of truth revealed in it as in our previous parable uh, last week, both uh, emphasizing the uh, priceless value of the kingdom. Let's just remind ourselves of some things we've looked at on previous occasions. All right, so we notice when we use the illustration of the golden lampstand that the shaft represented the first parable and is... Uh, Jesus said, and according to Mark's account, if we don't understand the first parable, how will we understand the other parables? Because we notice there's repetitions of certain things in each of the parables. Then parable 2 and 7, uh, so parable 1 teaches the word of the beginning of the kingdom. Uh, parables 2 and 7, uh, the mixture in the kingdom and final separation. So we had the parable of the wheat and tares. And then the final parable is the parable of the good and bad fish in the same gospel net. So mixture in the kingdom and final separation. Parables 3 and 4, that was the parable of the uh, leaven hidden in the meal. And then the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, both those parables taught the same basic truth. One taught the, ex uh, the external growth and, uh, of the kingdom and the other taught the internal corruption of the kingdom. And then parables 5 and 6, uh, what we've been looking at last week and this week, the two branches are the same now. We're looking at the priceless value 
and the cost of the kingdom. So last week we looked at the parable of the treasure hid in the field and the price that was paid to buy that. And tonight we're looking at the parable of the pearl of great price and the price that was paid uh, to buy a goodly pearl after seeking for goodly pearls. All right, now let's just follow the same format that we've been looking at each week and uh, just put on the overhead the parts of the parable that need to be interpreted. How many uh, are really sold on that every word in the Bible is inspired of the Lord? And none of it's there to fill up the book. How many know I'm a fanatic on that? And I'm happy for it. All right, so the kingdom of heaven is like, and we repeat the basic thing we've been saying each week, the kingdom of heaven uh, represents or resembles, uh, it is like an unto, it corresponds to. All right, unto a merchant man. Number three, seeking goodly pearls. Number four, who, when he had found one pearl. Number five, of great price. Number six, went and sold all he had. And number seven, bought it. Now, you'll notice the uh, main ingredients of the parable, parts of the jigsaw puzzle that need to be interpreted. The merchant man, the goodly pearls, the one pearl, great price, selling all and buying it. They're the major uh, ingredients of the parable or the parts of the uh, jigsaw puzzle that we have here. All right, now, I'm just going to... Uh, move reasonably quickly through some of this because uh, of uh, repetition in the, each of the parables here. But uh, I will remind you of what we said last week. That uh, back in my younger days, we used to sing a, um, a song, gospel song, it was really, it was, and I forget the rest of the uh, verses altogether, but it uh, was like this. I found the pearl of greatest price, my heart doth sing for joy. And uh, sing I must for Christ I have and what a, a, a price have I, so what a Christ uh, have I, something like that. And uh, after a while it was pointed out to my attention that this man bought the pearl and if Christ is the pearl of great price, uh, he's not for sale. Now we know that once we accept Christ it's going to cost us all we have to follow him, but he's not for sale. So we don't buy Christ, he's not the pearl of great price. Christ buys us. And I'll say this just right from the start here. We're going to see that the pearl, <coughs> pardon, pardon me, the uh, pearl of great price is another picture of the church, the bride of Christ, and we'll qualify that in due time here. So just as the treasure represents the church, so the pearl represents the church. Now, another thing we, uh, it's worthy to note in comparison here, in uh, the last two parables, that's parable far, uh, parable 6 that we're looking at tonight and parable 7 these two parables in contrast to the other five now we have seven kingdom of heaven parables you remember five of them pertain to earth but the last two pertain to the sea let's just turn over to Revelation chapter 10 just for a moment uh, uh, just sort of hit it and then run away from it always feel safe that way Just Revelation chapter 10. So just in the light of what I've been saying, five parables concern the earth and the last two parables, parable 6 and parable 7, concern the sea. And in the scripture, the earth and the sea have symbolic significance. So Revelation chapter 10 uh, gives us a little clue to that. Uh, verse uh, 1 and verse 2. And I saw another mighty angel or mighty messenger come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon, was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire 
and he had in his hand a little book open, not sealed, a little book open, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. So very significant act here. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it is, without taking time to prove that, descends from heaven with a little open book and he puts his right foot on the sea where the good and the bad fish are, where the goodly pearls are found, and he puts his left foot on the earth and all the other parables that concern the earth. So how many are glad that uh, when he puts his foot on the sea and on the earth, everything's under his feet? Everything is under his feet. That's the whole point there. So the uh, earth and the sea have, have symbolic significance in the scripture. All right, let's move on here. Okay, number two, I think we all should know this by now. The merchant man is who? Everybody say it with me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember, uh, and we've been repeating this each week, that in five of the parables, we have a man, the man who sowed the seed, the man uh, who sowed the wheat as well, the man who sowed the seed, the mustard seed. Uh, we had the woman in parable uh, four. We had the man looking for a treasure. Here we have the merchant man. And I believe in, all, in each of the parables where the man is mentioned here, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the merchant man. He is the one that's paid the price. All right, we'll haul seeking goodly pearls and the pearl, the one pearl of great price. But we'll go to number five, six, and seven a little bit. And it's interesting again that the same Greek word is used here in number seven where he bought it. It's the same Greek word as used for the treasure. Agorazo or agorazo or something like that. And it means to buy out of the marketplace. So it, the treasure was bought out of the market, uh, marketplace by a redeemer. And here the pearl is bought out of the marketplace by a redeemer. He paid the price. Uh, as the old hymn says, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Jesus paid the price. We are bought with a price, a great price. How many are glad for that? We couldn't buy ourselves. He paid the price. As I said, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. So he has paid the price. So I believe the same as in the treasure, the Lord Jesus Christ is the merchant man. He paid the great price. It cost him everything he had. He sold all he had. It cost him everything. And he bought it or he redeemed it. He paid the price. That's the picture that we have here. We are bought with a price. Why don't you put down 1 Corinthians chapter 6? on the section of the price here. And uh, the, uh, number five and number six, the great price, he went and sold all he had. So it cost him his all at Calvary. The price paid for us, the same as the treasure in the field, it cost him all he had. Great price at Calvary, the price of blood atonement. First Corinthians chapter six and verses 19 and 20. First Corinthians six, verses 19 and 20. We are bought with a price and Jesus bought the church. The church didn't buy him. He bought the church. The church did not buy Christ. And also, 1 Peter chapter 1, this is on the price, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through to 20. All right, now what we want to look at here, and I want to put these things on the overhead, we want to look at the whole thought of the pearl. And what I want to say now, I have in my own, uh, my own notes on this, uh, let's see, yes, about 20 points concerning pearls. 
I'm going to give you 16 of the, uh, what I feel are the major ones. And I didn't get this out of the Bible, okay? I went to the pearl experts, and when I was in Japan and, and bought my wife a necklace of pearls, Mikimoto pearls, and we watched the pearl divers there, uh, I picked up some information and studied just out of some dictionaries and all that type of thing, some very interesting things of the pearl. So what I'm going to say to you, most of it's not in the Bible. Okay, is that all right? Uh, some things I'm going to say are in the Bible, uh, the applications I'm going to give are in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't tell you all about pearls. How many know that? It refers to them and it leaves you to find out about the pearl. Okay, so I'd like to encourage you to take down these things and just take them down one by one. Don't run ahead of me and sort of put them all down and think, oh, well, I've got that, because you won't have, okay? So let's take them one at a time. So 16 uh, very interesting points about the pearl and then bring it to what I believe this parable is about, okay? So what I've got here is spiritual lessons from the pearl, spiritual lessons from the pearl. All right, uh, I've gone to a study on the natural pearl and as looking at, as the, at the natural pearl, I've uh, gone to the books on this and just drawn some spiritual lessons from it uh, because, as I said, the disciples didn't ask for the interpretation of this parable. They must have been familiar enough with the value of the pearl, even if they didn't have all the scientific information that we have on it. They must have known enough not even to ask Jesus for the interpretation. Okay, so I trust what I work through here will be a blessing to you and that you'll be as excited about this parable as you have been about the others. Everybody said amen. All right, number one, the pearl represents, first of all, so the first lesson here is the pearl represents precious truths from God's word. Now, I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 7 on this. In the New Testament, we have actually three references to pearl, pearls, uh, two in Matthew's Gospel and one in the book of Revelation. And we'll be looking at uh, the significance of that as uh, we proceed through our word tonight. All right, Matthew chapter 7. And here we have the uh, first and only reference to the pearl. Uh, well, it's not the only one in Matthew, but the other Gospels don't mention it, but uh, Matthew does. So Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6. Jesus says here, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Why don't you put in connection with that, even though it doesn't refer to the pearl itself, but the same truth is true. Proverbs chapter 11, you needn't turn to it. Uh, put down in connection with that Proverbs 11 and verse 22. So remember what Jesus is saying here, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Now is he talking about four-legged dogs? Or is he talking about two-legged dogs? Uh, what epistle of Paul had a notice on the gate, beware of dogs? Anybody remember? The epistle to the Philippian church, Paul writes to them and says, beware of dogs. And he's not talking about four-legged dogs. He's talking about two-legged dogs who wear a dog collar. <laughs> How very appropriate. That's why I back into my shirt, I don't walk into it. You wait tonight. 
Okay, so give not that which is holy unto the dogs. So he's talking about valuable, holy things that you don't cast before dogs, religious people who have no sense of value for spiritual things. And then he repeats it again in a different saying, uh, different way, saying, neither cast your pearls, holy pearls, before swine, dogs and swine, both unclean animals. Both unclean animals. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, very interesting proverb, as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. Isn't that a good proverb? You didn't know that was in your Bible. So can you see this hog hogging out this pig and he's got a beautiful jewel of gold and you think, dear, that is so out of place, a pig with a ring of gold in its snout, because we have them in our ears today for the men. Uh, something for everybody here tonight, see? It's what you call shrapnel teaching. <laughs> All right, so you think, how out of place that is. So is a fair woman if she lacks discretion. So just valuable. Now, put in connection with this too, because it's interesting how the Bible links pigs and dogs together. <laughs> I don't know what you believe about the millennium, but you're not going to have any dogs and pigs in my millennium. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 22, pigs and dogs are mentioned again. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 22, but it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. Uh, how many have seen a dog eat its own vomit? Well, it's just I'm talking about the Bible. Don't, you know, feel repulsed, although it's meant to do that to you. So the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And when a person backslides from the Lord and goes back to the world, they're going back to their own vomit, the thing that made them sick and that they perked out. Is that better? All right. And swallow their own vomit. That's what happens to a backslider. Just a dirty old dog going back to his own vomit. The thing that made him sick and he vomited out, he goes and gobbles it up again. It's called gobbledygook. Now, that's not on my notes, that's just, I, I speak that by permission, not by revelation. Okay, listen, listen to the next part. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So you get this lovely little piglet, and you wash it and bathe it, and put a Christian ribbon on it, bring it into the house of the Lord, and as soon as you leave the door open, it slips out the back door and back in the mud. Dogs and pigs. All the sheep said, Amen. Amen. All the dogs growled. All the people. <laughs> anyway, as I'm saying, there won't be any dogs and pigs in my millennium. You can have them in yours. Uh, anyway, the spiritual lesson is clear there. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, two-legged dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn again and rend you. And uh, I do believe there is a great spiritual lesson there because there's certain truths that I really value and sometimes over the years people and preachers who don't believe these things, oh, come on, tell us about what you believe, Kevin. I say, I'm not going to. Ah, oh, you don't know what you believe anyway. 
They said, well, I'm not just going to throw away what I value and just have you trample it under feet. But I don't believe that stuff. So there's certain things I just withhold from certain people because I value certain truths. Now, I want you to turn over uh, to uh, just quickly on this. I'm, and I'm going to read off my notes, but I want you to uh, turn to a scripture I'm going to apply to this lesson, and particularly on the uh, formation of the pearl. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 28. Now, I'm going to read off my notes and got this out of a book, so don't worry about that. The formation of the pearl, as we're going to see, and I need to say this right from the start, so the pearl represents precious truths from God's word for a start. Okay, and the greatest precious truth is what we're looking at. Uh, the formation of the pearl is very significant and amplifies the truth hidden in the parable here. It is the most precious of all gems. Uh, it is a priceless value, but valueless to some persons as dogs and swine. Uh, now, listen to how the pearl is formed because ultimately we're looking at the formation of the church, the merchant man seeking goodly pearls and even though he finds uh, a goodly pearls, there's one pearl of great price that he's after, which we're talking about. And so this is how the pearl is, uh, is formed, reading off my notes on this one. The pearl is built up layer upon layer by secretion which flows out of the wound in the side of the shellfish. This wound is inflicted by a sharp point of a, of a minute grain of sand which got lodged under the shell. The grain seeps into the oyster and the oyster immediately thro throws a fluid round it. This fluid is caused by the agitation caused by the sand grain. The fluid hardens as layer on layer and layer on layer is produced until the final formation of the pearl. Now listen to how I want to apply it scripturally, especially to the first point here. How are precious truths formed? In the scripture we're saying on this first part, the pearl represents precious truths. Uh, Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? The answer is them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear, but the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. All right, let me just apply the spiritual to this. So let's just uh, remind ourselves. So in the formation of the pearl, here is the, the uh, pearl oyster, this little grain of sand seeps in or gets into the oyster somehow and it sets up an irritation and so the, the oyster pearl just, uh, the oyster, pardon me, just throws out this layer over the sand, uh, gr the grain of sand and then just keeps throwing layer upon layer, layer upon layer until you get the formation of the pearl. Well, when it comes to the truths of Scripture, as I've got on this first point here, the pearl represents precious truths of Scripture. How many know that there's a time when it's like the Spirit of God just puts a little Scripture into your heart, you're like the oyster, and it just puts something in your heart and sort of sets up an irritation here and starts you thinking, and then you start studying the Word, 
and just line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and scripture after scripture, scripture after scripture, uh, just uh, sort of forms there until you see, wow, listen to this pearl of truth. There are certain great truths that we hold here in Waver that are just pearls to me that are just formed like a pearl. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ is a pearl. Some people despise it. Right? The truth of the church is the bride of Christ. That's a pearl. And it's built up scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. The things we've been talking about in the parables of the kingdom, the whole kingdom uh, revelation is a pearl of great price. And it's just formed layer upon layer, precept upon precept, line upon line, until you say that's pearl. And as I said, some of these things I don't share with people, and they say, oh, well, Kevin, you and stuff, are oh, you in the name of God, you and this, you and you're speaking in tongues. Come on, let's hear you speaking in tongues. It's all of the devil anyway. Well, I just wouldn't even listen to them. Uh, I'm not going to cast my pearls before you and you trample them under my feet. I value these things, and they're too precious just to throw away to people who have a dog attitude and a piggy attitude. I value what the Lord's given me over years. Can you say amen? amen? All right, so much for that. We need to say that from the start. Okay, number two, the pearl is a most valuable gem. And as I say the pearl, I want you to start thinking about the church now. So it's used in two ways. Truths of Scripture and the formation of truths in Scripture is like the formation of a pearl. And valuable gems, the church is the most valuable gem. Let me just uh, check on some of my notes on this and just touch on the high spots. Now, this is interesting just on this part. Uh, the pearl is the most valuable gem. It's a unique gem. Most gems are mineral. Listen to this. Most gems are mineral in that they are mined from beneath the earth. Pearls differ from other gems in that they come from the sea. This is a gem of the sea, not a gem of the earth. Okay, so it's a most valuable gem. Uh, it's formed in the sea. So most like diamonds and other stones, precious stones, are formed in the earth through pressure. But this gem is different to any other gem. It's formed in the sea. It's a gem of the sea, not of the earth. All right, number three, and this is a, a beautiful thought here in relation to the church. The pearl is formed through suffering. As I've just read in the formation of the pearl, the oyster does not expel it, but causes... Uh, this offending grain to become an object of beauty. So, so this is the only gem, in fact, this is the only living gem that's formed through a living creature. Diamonds and other precious, valuable stones are not formed through suffering, they're formed through pressure. But this is formed through a living creature. So that's significant there. And so it's formed through suffering, and the church has been formed and is being formed through suffering. In fact, uh, the whole thought of the pearl, if we bring them just together, is this thought of suffering and glory, suffering and glory. And in uh, 1 Peter, the uh, word suffering is used 17 times. The word glory is used 17 times. So the church, the pearl is formed through suffering. But as we get down later on the point, we'll see when it's brought to the surface, it has a glory about it. So the church is formed through suffering, yet there's a glory First the suffering, then the glory. Number four, the, the pearl is manifest through the death of a living creature. Let me just read off my note because I've, I've sort of got it in my notes better than me just saying it here. 
uh, the pearl is formed as a result of suffering and the pearl has its beginning in the side of the oyster. So Eve came out of Adam's side and the church comes out of Christ's wounded side, out from his wounded side. They pierced his side and forthwith came blood and water. When formed, it is the product of a living creature. Now no other gem, diamonds or any other gems, this, this, this gem is so unique. It's the, it's the product of a living creature. It owes its very existence to another and is the product and born out of suffering. The only gem, the, uh, the, the pearl is the only gem which owes its existence to suffering, life and death of a living creature. Let me say that again. The pearl is the only gem which owes its existence to suffering and the life and death of a living creature. So the church owes her existence to the living one, to his suffering and to his life and death, but hallelujah, he's alive forevermore. All right, number five, the pearl is formed in secret in the depths of the water. And so the church, and uh, why don't you just turn over to a couple of scriptures on this. Isaiah chapter, uh, I'll give you two scriptures and read one. Isaiah chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. And Isaiah 57, and verses 20 and 21. So the pearl is formed in secret in the depths of the water, in the sea. So Isaiah 17, verses 12 and 13. Isaiah 57, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what Isaiah 57, 20 and 21 says. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God to the wicked. And both in Revelation and in Isaiah and, and Daniel, you'll see that the nations are like the restless rushing of the seas. Yet in the sea, in the depths of the sea, God is forming a pearl. And see, uh, Revelation, uh, Revelation 17, 15 says, The waters where the woman sits represents kindreds, tongues, tribes, and nations. So the waters represent this. So in the waters of the kindreds, tongues, tribes, and nations, there are goodly pearls being formed. There's a pearl of great price being formed. And so it's a picture of the church. In the sea of humanity, in the multitudes of peoples, nations, and tongues, the, you think of the sea, the restless activity of the sea, the undercurrents, the cross-currents, and yet in spite of all that, down underneath, there's a pearl being formed. There's goodly pearls. And when God looks down here on the earth and the restless masses of the wicked, so forth, the church is... All right, number six. Very weak amen there. Uh, number six, the pearl is formed by addition. And we've used that in relation to the truths. But what's the key that you have? Why don't you turn over the book of Acts? Those of you who've been principals through uh, church life class will remember this. So just as the pearl is formed by addition... Uh, layer upon layer, layer upon layer, layer upon layer until it gets to the particular size. So in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 41 and 47, and Acts chapter 5, 
Acts chapter 5, verse 14, and Acts chapter 11. I'll give you four verses here, which all say the same thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 47, Acts chapter 5, 14, and Acts chapter 11, and verse 24. Acts 11, verse 24. Listen to it. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls added to them. Then in verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts 5.14 And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. And Acts 11.24, the same thing. Much people was added to the Lord. So the, the, the pearl is formed by addition. Just layer upon layer, layer upon layer. And so God is forming the church. Added to the Lord. Added to the church. Added to them. God keeps adding to his church. Uh, throughout the world, thousands are being added. And the newspapers don't tell you about this. The newspapers only give us the bad news. Good news is who won the football. Okay? But they give you the bad news. The television is out to give you bad news. They never tell you about the thousands that are coming to Christ that are being added to the Lord. How many are glad that God's building his pearl, forming his pearl? All right, so the pearl is formed... Uh, through addition, so the church is being formed that way. Number seven is an interesting uh, point about the pearl too. It says the uh, outward beauty of the pearl is exactly that of the inner beauty. So whatever the pearl, I'll read it off my note here, whatever the pearl is on the outside, that's what it is on the inside. Once you turn over to a beautiful psalm that sort of illustrates this uh, uh, this point here, Psalm 45, Psalm 45. This is talking about the bride of Christ, Psalm 45. Uh, Psalm 45, uh, as you glance over it, it's talking about, first of all, the king, and it's talking about a royal wedding there. And then go down to uh, verse, verse, verse 9, Psalm 45, verse 9. King's daughters were among thy honourable women. Upon thy right did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. Calling to the church is the bride of Christ. So forget our own people, forget the Father's house, but the King, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, desires the beauty of the church. So there's a beauty about the pearl. So he is thy Lord. So the, the Lord is not only our bridegroom, but he's our Lord. Then in verse 13, look what it says about the king's daughter. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. So beauty within, without. A glorious church. So the beauty, the outward beauty of the pearl is exactly that of the, of the inner beauty. How many know the Lord has to work on us to do those things? So that we're not only externally right, but we're internally right. So that the external corresponds with the internal, and the internal corresponds with the external. That's the beautiful picture. So this is the beauty about the pearl. So the outward beauty of the pearl is exactly that of the inner beauty. Number eight, Another interesting lesson here. The pearl has what I've got here, the mystery of light. 
And you explain this, see, that it has the mystery of light. Let me find this point here. Though formed in the depths of darkness, yet the mystery of the pearl is that though it's formed in the darkness of the oyster shell and the depths of the sea, yet when it's brought to the surface, it has all the colors of the rainbow light. Can you explain that? I mean, the guys who write on these things, they say actually the whole formation of the pearl is a mystery. Well, the church is a mystery. These are kingdom of heaven, mystery, parables of the kingdom. And uh, so I think that's a very interesting thing. So though it's formed in darkness and in the darkness of the oyster shell and the depths of the sea, yet when it's brought to the uh, surface, it has all the colors of the rainbow light, has the colors of gray, pink, orange, gold, cream, uh, or white in pearls. Others have rainbow colors. Uh, when you get to the city of God, we'll look at that scripture uh, later on, but when you get through the, to the scripture, uh, city of God, every 12 of the, the 12 of the gates, every gate is made of one pearl. And all the colors of the rainbow are in the city of God. No one gets into that city without going through a gate of pearl. And all that's involved in the pearl, God knew anyway. He knew it before they wrote in the books. So mineral stones, listen to this, my notes here. Mineral stones or gems usually reflect light. Pearls absorb light as well as reflect it. How many are absorbing light? I am. See? Thy word is light. The entrance of thy word gives light. Okay? So that's an interesting thing to compare the pearl with other stones. So mineral stones or gems usually reflect light. Pearls absorb light as well as reflect it. Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. So the church is the light of the world, light in Christ. And here's the, uh, the application of this. The church, though formed in the darkness of Satan's kingdom and the sea of the nations, will yet manifest the light of Jesus Christ, the light of God for all eternity, when brought to the surface, completed and matured. How many like that sentence? Hallelujah. Let me read it again. I enjoyed reading that. So the church, though formed in the darkness of Satan's kingdom and the sea of nations, will yet manifest the light of Jesus Christ, the light of God for all eternity, when brought to the surface, completed, matured. All right, number nine is another interesting uh, lesson from the pearls here. The pearl, all pearls have their own distinctive glory. All pearls have their own distinctive glory. Why don't you put down as a scripture that would be applicable here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 41 to 42. Very applicable here. So each pearl has its own distinctive glory. And so what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verses 41 and 42? There, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. So what Paul is saying there, that in the resurrection of the dead, some saints will come up with the glory of the sun, some will come up with the glory of the moon, some will come up with the uh, various glories of the stars. One star differeth from another in glory, so you'll sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. 
Uh, the same truth is applicable here. Each pearl, and see, uh, you know, in an in a individual sense, and uh, one time I shared my sort of life story and testimony in Portland, which I don't do because I get too emotionally involved in the thing, but I prefaced it with so many of the students there that night, all the student body really, by saying this, that all of us, every individual Christian, in one sense, is a pearl before the Lord. And all of us have our various areas of suffering. I might have my bit, you'll have your bit. Everybody has a bit, because that's part of the formation. So all of us, if we had time to hear our stories tonight, I guarantee there's not one person exempt here tonight from some area of suffering in your life. Because the pearl is formed from suffering. And see, all of us are, are pearls in God's sight, precious gems, absorbing light, will have different glory, different sizes, and so forth. Yeah, that's the picture. So that's a very interesting thing, that in the resurrection, all saints are going to come up in various glories, and each pearl has its own glory. So the son of man, or the merchant man, is seeking goodly pearls, but there's one pearl he's after. Okay? Number 10 is another interesting lesson here. Number 10 is an interesting lesson. Uh, according to these guys, a perfect pearl is a pearl without any blemish. Isn't that a good one? Don't need to apply that. I can just give you the scripture on that. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 to 32. They say the perfect pearl is a pearl without blemish. Pearls that have only one blemish can have this blemish removed if the floor is not too deep. And uh, they say that there are specially trained men called peelers who carefully scrape away the blemished layers. When the floor is removed, the pearl is smaller but perfect. How many know that uh, for some of us, the Lord's got some flaws and blemishes that he's got to work on? So Ephesians says, Father, he's going to present unto himself a glorious church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, any such thing, and be holy, holy church. So a perfect pearl is a pearl without blemish. So this pearl of great price, a lot of goodly pearls, but this is pearl of great price, pointing to the perfect church, the church without spot or blemish or any such thing. Number 11, quickly here, is another uh, an interesting lesson about the pearl. Number 11 is that the pearl is a compound unity. The pearl is a compound unity. Let me read my note again on this. When it comes to other uh, valuable uh, gems like a diamond or gold or other gemstones, you can cut them. But you cannot cut a pearl without destroying its unity. The only test is to break it, but if you break the pearl, you destroy it. So in contrast to diamond or gold or other gemstones, you can't uh, do this to a pearl, but you'll destroy it. So it's a compound unity. All right, number 12 is another interesting thing about the pearl, particularly these guys in Japan who have pearl, oyster pearl, pearl beds and so forth. Pearls have to be cared for. They have to be washed and polished. So the Lord has to do that to us. Washes in the water of the word, polishing us. 
The dealings of God, it's called, that nasty expression. How many of you know what the dealings of God are? About three of us. The rest of you will soon find out. Okay, number 13, another interesting lesson is this, that the pearl has various enemies that seek to destroy it. Uh, there's a black porky fish that eats the larva if the shelf, uh, of the shellfish in their shells. Uh, there's certain tides that will suffocate the shellfish. Uh, there's a number of enemies here, but I'm watching that time, so I finish here. Uh, this is the worst enemy that the shellfish has. I don't know which one to put up here. That's the worst enemy of the shellfish. Little octopus, and he gets his little things in, and with all those suckers. How many of you know what a sucker is? Don't look at your wife or husband now, okay? This is the worst enemy of the shellfish. They get their long little things in and, and destroy the thing. And I've got a list of those suckers there. All right, see the children are out. Let's uh, finish up here quickly. Okay, so the pearl has various sea enemies that destroy it. And so the church has. Number 14, I'll put these up here. Number 14, the pearl represents glory through suffering. I've already given you the picture here. Glory through suffering. No glory without the suffering. The prophets spoke of first the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the pearl represents glory through suffering. Number 15, it's what I believe, take it for what it's worth. The goodly pearls represent various companies of the people of God. I want you to turn over to Song of Solomon. Just, uh, I want two, two more scriptures here before through. Turn to Solomon, Song of Solomon quickly. So goodly pearls. I want you to think also of the Old Testament saints. Song of Solomon. And chapter 6. Song of Solomon, chapter 6. So think of the various companies of God's people, the patriarchs in the patriarchal area, the nation of Israel, those who were true Israel of God, and the Old Testament saints, the various companies of the people of God that have been manifest through, the, uh, through human history, goodly pearls, goodly companies of people that have all had their measure of suffering and yet been formed together as a company of the people of God. Listen to how Song of Solomon puts it in chapter 6 and verse 8. I haven't got time to explain what's in my mind on this, but verse 8 and 9. There are threescore queens and fourscore concubines. I, I can't indulge in what I believe those represent. And virgins without number. So you've got queens, you've got concubines. You think what a concubine was in the Old Testament. Virgins without number. Wise virgins, foolish virgins. But listen about number nine, which I apply to this. The pearl of great Christ, the glorious church, the bride of Christ. My dove, my undefiled is but one. She is the only one of a mother she is the choice one of her that bear her. The undefiled, the only one, the choice one. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21 as we close. Revelation chapter 21. So the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, and he finds his pearl of great price, sells all he had, and bought it. Revelation chapter 21 is the 
last reference to pearls here in verse 21. And it says, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. So I think it's a very significant thing that on the twelve gates, we have the twelve names of the twelve tribes of spiritual Israel, not, not natural, unregenerated Israel, but natural, spiritual Israel. And all the redeemed of the earth who are in the true Israel of God will one day go, as the song says, sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. But everyone will enter through their particular tribal gate and I think it's very significant that all these gates are of one pearl and that we enter the glory through the suffering. That Christ suffered for us and the suffering that the church goes for. So I believe it's just a very simple parable, a be very beautiful parable that the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant man. Christ is the merchant man. He has paid the price. He bought the treasure hid in the field. He bought the pearl hid in the oyster, hid in the ocean. How many can say amen? So I hope you've enjoyed this parable tonight. Let's all stand. Father, we just thank you once again for the truth of this beautiful and simple parable. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were the merchant man. We didn't buy you. You were not for sale. But you came and bought us. And Lord, we thank you that you are forming the church, adding to the church daily throughout the nations and the sea of the nations, Lord, until you... Bring to the surface a glorious church, a glorious bride of Christ, shining with the light of heaven. We thank you for this, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that each of us as individual pearls will accept your dealings in our life, knowing that everything works together for good to those that love God and are called according to your purpose. Thank you for the truth of this beautiful but simple parable. Let it fall deep in our hearts, Father. We give you all the glory in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.